This is the Canoe Creek Podcast. Our vision is to help people in our community connect to God, grow in Christ, and go serve others. We are located at 4080 Pine Tree Road, and our Sunday morning service times are 9 o'clock and 1030. Thank you for tuning in. So we've been talking about how to map out a vision for my life that is worthy of the life that I've been given. Uh, certainly as we are uh, reflecting on that in, in Christ or in God, if we're believers. If we're not believers, we still recognize that there's a tremendous amount of value to life and we want to map out the best path that we can to do well with what, what we have, what we've been given. So we've been talking about that and we're in the last segment of that. We've been doing this in segment of three. We talked about uh, purpose and we talked about passion. Now we're talking about planning and last week we talked about how establishing values in our life is really important to making the next steps and making plans in our life. And and today we're doing the same thing as well as we address uh, just a really powerful truth that is true whether you're a Christian or not. And, And it applies in the context of Christianity as we will see in this passage. But we see that this this truth, this principle applies, you know, out in the world as well. We just maybe apply it for a different reason, and we'll, we'll notice that too. But last week, uh, I mentioned something that maybe you agreed or disagreed with. Uh, it was just my a personal opinion and approach to it, and that is the fact that the gospel is scary. It is when we really get to know it as best as we can, because we realize that it, it requires all of us. It requires us to, to take every part of my life and invest it, and that's a scary reality that we struggle with. But we also recognize that as we learn about it in, in, in its complete entirety, that the gospel also affords us something that I cannot purchase or gain on my own as well. And we, we, we looked at that and we talked about that this week as we look at this passage. We see that what it's leading us to is a comprehension, an understanding of the fullness of God. A broader concept, a broader understanding of who Jesus is, what he's inviting us to. And, and the best that we can do, something we talk about a lot here at Canoe Creek, is take the next step. You know, it's, it's like one of our elders here at Canoe Creek used to say, and he used to love this statement, it's simple. He'd say, you know, there's the ancient proverb, uh, Persian proverb that says, you know, walk as far as you can see. When you get there, you'll be able to see farther. And that's what we're always inviting people towards is take the next step and, and see how you can grow from that and continue to take steps forward. And so as we talk about this idea of the full measure of God, let's look at a verse that talks about that. Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, it's going to be in chapter 4. And if you're following along in your own Bible, you'll see Ephesians is like way back in the back. So you barely got a little bit of Bible left when you're trying to find the book of Ephesians. If you don't have a Bible, they'll find one like this with a picture on it in the rack in front of you. Feel free to use it and feel free to take it with you if you don't have a Bible and you need one. Uh, but, but Ephesians, and we're going to be in chapter 4, the, the larger numbers are the chapters. And then the smaller numbers are verses. It helps divide it down like that for us. Uh, so that we can find certain passages like this, memorize them, remember where they're at, be able to come back to them easily. But sometimes if you're coming to the Bible for the first time in a long time or for the first time ever, it can be a bit intimidating. So Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to be reading together verses 11 through 13, which present this really powerful truth that we want to be talking about today. All right, here's what we read here in chapter 4, beginning in verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers 
to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Uh, This is God's word. I love this verse, very powerful verse, very simple verse, very direct and straightforward, yet there's a lot there. Uh, Being that we're wanting to leave some extra time at the end of the service for you to be able to go and visit one of these tables that represent a ministry, I'm going to have to uh, really narrow it down and keep my focus very, very shallow to some degree. It's almost like it's going to be so shallow, it's just enough to hydroplane, okay? But hydroplaning can be fun as long as it's done on a controlled surface. And so we're going to hydroplane with a little control this morning. I'm going to give you a touch of what we see happening within this passage. Let me just identify a couple things really quick. First of all, it says that Jesus Jesus gave us gifts uh, to be built up and to build one another up. Simple truth. Uh, These gifts were intended to improve our ability to serve one another. Simple truth. This act of service was designed to increase our unity and our maturity. And so if you just take all of that and you sum it up into one simple concept, what this verse is saying is that we are given gifts so that we can also be a gift to others. In simplicity, we're given gifts so that we can be a gift to others, so that our life can be used to others. Here's what we struggle with sometimes. We approach a verse like this, and and I've seen this done. In its broader context, it's a very complicated verse sometimes. And, And what comes before it, I can tell you this, that there's every scholar, you can have 10 scholars in the room, they're all gonna give you 10 different opinions on it. But I believe we put way too much emphasis in titles, in positions, in talking about the specific detail of the function or breaking down a passage grammatically and parsing it and this and that. And we miss the most essential and bigger point. We lose sight of the main purpose. And the main purpose is we can understand something with godly clarity but fail to apply it with authority. That is, we can... We can see something and understand all its parts and pieces and its details, but we don't actually do something about it. We don't actually put it to work in our life. Because here's the thing. These people may have been recognized by a title or a function, or they were an apostle, they were a prophet, they were an evangelist, they were a teacher, they were a shepherd. Before they were that and after they were that, you know what they were? They were a person. Here's what this passage is simply summing up for us. Jesus gives people to people. I know it's really complex, but in the reality of it, what Jesus died for, apart from this consumer mentality that we have within Western culture church of personal Lord and Savior, inviting Jesus into my heart, and it's all about me, he died for his church. You're going to be hard-pressed to find scriptures that talk about Jesus dying for you as a personal individual, and, and you're going to find abundant passages about Jesus giving his life to build a community. Why? Because Jesus gives people to people. He gives a variety of people with a variety of personalities, a variety of gifts and abilities, and he radically changes and shapes their lives, and he brings them together in a community to where they build one another up in such a way that they go out and they share Jesus with their world, and his kingdom advances and it grows. And that's what we see happening here. And I think we take passages such as this, and we lead people to believe uh, that Jesus or God gives professionals to people, which is wrong, 
You know, he gives gifts to people to do certain things, to serve in such a way, to build up the body. Some people are gifted in one way versus the other. You know, some are gifted to, to maybe preach the word. Others are gifted in a one-on-one to lead individuals. Some are gifted to serve in different capacities. You know, I've talked about this before in the past. You know, you never want to leave me alone in a room full of children. It's going to be Lord of the Flies in about two minutes. You know, and I, I'm the guy when they ask, what do you think about the design of the children's ministry ring or this or that? Carrie's like, don't even ask him. You know, he's going to say just, we don't need carpet. It'll save money and just issue helmets to all the kids. And just, you know, they'll, they'll make it through. My, my wife, she, she cares for kids all day long. That's, and she's good at it. She loves it. You know, just strap me to a rocket that they're launching at NASA before you put me in that position. Because that's not my thing. I'm not good at that. And, but God gives us to one another. And we all have a variety of ways in which we can serve and care and build up the body to help each other grow. Essentially, Jesus gives gifts to people so that they can, in turn, be a gift to another person. Now, with a very limited time that I have, I just want to point out two simple truths. And like I said, these two things are true whether you're a Christian or not. These two things apply within a Christian context within this verse, but we can see how they apply just in the world as well. But there is one distinct difference that I'm going to point out at the end. The first thing is simply this, empower others. And I don't want you to see this from a corporate perspective or a church perspective or a community perspective just yet. First and foremost, I want you to see this as an individual. And when I say empower others, what I'm saying is, How are you empowering people in your life so that you can change and grow? You're giving them a place of authority, a position to tell you this or that. And you know, it's amazing how we'll do that when it comes to just a variety of things, but then we struggle to do that when it comes to spiritual things. You know, we may empower certain people that we know is going to help us better network in our career field to help us gain or grow in our business or our our personal abilities, this and that. Or likewise, somebody to train us or teach us or we're an apprentice as their, you know, the mentor or something like that. I know for me, it's been a long summer. And what I mean by being a long summer is we have a long, dry spell with no surf all summer long. We typically expect that to happen during the summer, but it's been real bad until some of those storms came along and and started producing some waves out there. And so I haven't been out surfing at all until just over the last couple weeks. And man, I am so out of shape, it's pathetic. And I know I got to get back into shape because it's something I love to do. But here's the thing. You can sign me up at a gym. It's not going to work. You know, I could put the equipment in my, in my garage. It's not going to work. I have to go somewhere where somebody's going to tell me, these are the exercises you're going to do over the next hour. This is how you're going to do them. This is why you're going to do them. These are the weights you're going to use. And if you don't, I'm going to yell at you a little bit. I have to go somewhere where I empower somebody to tell me what needs to be done. Why, why don't we change that when it comes to our spiritual life? And, and I get it. To some degree, we're like, well, hey, man, you're preaching to the choir. We're here. <laughs> Especially if this is like your first time ever coming to Canoe Creek. You're like, I, I, I'm, I'm investing a little bit of time here, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm empowering you, the church as a whole my life, to speak some spiritual things into my life. Because maybe you're searching. Maybe you're trying to figure out what your next step is. And, and that's a good starting place. But obviously, you know, as the gospel tells us, God requires all of us. We have to figure out, well, what's that next step for me? How do I go deeper? How do I go farther? I wouldn't be here. And by that, I don't just mean simply a part of a thriving church. Um, you know, listen. You know, whether I was preaching or not, there's a lot of different things I do to try and serve the body at Canoe Creek. 
But when I say I wouldn't be here, what I mean is on this stage preaching, uh, carrying out this role that God has given me with the gift that God has given me. If it had not been for me empowering one individual in my life, and in that empowerment, I said to this person, speak into my life, tell me where I'm right, tell me where I'm wrong, help me to grow, help me to see things better spiritually. And I gave them that authority. And by empowering in that way, it helped me grow to be a, a person of a, a spiritual stature that I was desiring to be, I was wanting to grow towards. And I'm so thankful for it. Regardless of whether it, it put me in the position that I am, because I thought I was going to be a youth minister and God played a really terrible trick, I think, I'm not sure. But anyway, here I am. You know, because of empowering an individual in my life. Let me ask you a question. Can you identify where your faith has grown over the last year? Or can you identify where your faith has grown over the last 30 days? For newer believers, I bet that's an easier task. Because, yeah, I took this step and this is going on. I'm really excited about it. I'm looking forward. That's a really difficult task for some of us who have been a believer for a while. And that's a problem. Where, where is it scripturally that says that you've plateaued? <laughs> you don't have to continue to grow in your faith. I've reached the Mecca. I've learned how to give all of my life over to Jesus Christ. I, you know, if we're really being honest, we're struggling with that. And if we don't see some points of growth in our life and our faith, then we need to ask ourselves a question. Have I stopped empowering people to speak into my lives? Here's why we struggle with empowering people. First, we have to become humble. Here's the thing, and that's not easy. Pride is a kryptonite of community. It will, it will isolate you from community, and, and if you're in community, it will absolutely crush that community. Whether it's a relationship with a spouse, a friend, or just with your church or your small group or whatever, it will absolutely crush it if pride creeps in. And we really wrestle with that, but we have to humble ourselves. It requires humility for me to say, this is an area where I need to grow. But it also requires, as we've already talked about in the past, you can go back and listen to those messages, passion for you to go a step farther. I really need to grow. Most of us say, yeah, I'm not where I'm at spiritually. I want to be somewhere else spiritually. Great, what are you doing about it? Well, not today, (laughs) you know. What are you doing about it to empower somebody in your life, to speak into your life, to give you direction and guidance, to have some sort of sense of authority? You know, another area where we struggle is because we don't want to become vulnerable. But when we empower somebody, we become vulnerable. This is why we've got to choose the right person or the right people. You know, in the broader context of this verse, I could talk about how it talks about teaching elements. Um, obviously, first and foremost, we want to make sure that we're, we're empowering the right person in our life to give some sort of sense of authority spoken into our life, that they're saying the right things, that they're giving us the full counsel of Jesus Christ, that they're giving us the real gospel, the one that is a little scary, rather than giving us a version of Jesus that just sounds really good. We want the whole thing. And so we need to make sure of that. Also, you know, we want somebody with a high level of emotional intelligence. We, we want somebody who's, you know, knows how to use Facebook in, a, in an appropriate manner. Because we're going to be sharing things with them. We know that it has to be safe. It has to be secure. So we've got to choose the right people. You know, and this, like I said, this could apply very broadly. You take it out of a spiritual context. How, if, even if you're not a Christian, you're going into the next big season of your life because you've been through a traumatic event, whether it's a relationship issue or a work issue or whatever. How are you seeking out the people who you've seen be ex, you know, just excellent and, and successful in marriage at this, at this role in their work? or whatever it may be, to empower them in your life, to speak into your life, to give you guidance, direction, help. 
understanding about the step that you're wanting to take or you need to take. The other thing is we have to be accountable. Growth requires correction. I cannot remember, I cannot recall, I can't even for the life of me envision or think of anything in my life that I've actually gotten better at that did not require somebody to say to me, you did it wrong that time. Or you're doing it wrong. Or your technique's completely off. You know, as I have been empowering somebody in my life to get my spiritual or my physical health a little bit better and been doing some, some exercise and stuff, I was doing some stuff. I was like, that's just like total foreign to me. I was like, I'm an alien. I feel like I'm a, only aliens could do that, you know. And, um, but they're saying, well, if you work on it this way, keep doing it. And they keep correcting so that I can do that right, so that I get it right for the long haul. You know, but that requires correction. And so these things are difficult for us to be humble, to be vulnerable, to be accountable to growth. And so this is why we struggle to empower people in our life spiritually, to call us out and to give us direction. Now, this passage as a whole makes something clear. This is only half of the element of growth or vision for life because growth happens because of both input and output. Think about it this way. We have to take calories in. And we have to burn calories in the right way in order to be physically healthy. In the same way, uh, there's input and output required for us to grow healthy in a spiritual sense. What I'm talking to you about is what is an essential and core reality to forming your spiritual nature in such a way that it's, it's whole. It's complete. And, and in reality, I'm going to say something that's probably a little bit hard. And, and maybe it, you're newer here. Maybe you've been here for a while. I don't know. You take it for what it's worth. But if we think that we can just gather together on a Sunday morning and hear a message for a short period of time, sing some songs, pray some prayers, and go out, that we're going to be spiritually whole, we're way off base. Spiritual formation requires such a broader you know, perspective than just simply that. And one of the things that we have to have within our perspective is the fact that not only do we empower people in our life to press us to grow spiritually, but it's for a purpose that as we grow, we have an output as well as how we are serving the body and helping others to grow spiritually as well. The goal of the church here is stated as achieving the fullness of Christ, and the method by which that takes place is simply stated. We are given gifts so that we can also be a gift to others. So we need to empower people, but we also need to be empowered. This is a simple truth. The simple uh, idea of this, it means that you're present in the life of somebody else so that you can serve them. You can encourage them. You can help them take whatever next step it is. You can help them ultimately grow in the purpose being stated that the body of Christ is trying to grow in the fullness of understanding the full measure of Christ in unity, uh, in knowledge, and in faith. Now, we need to recognize that this concept, input-output, um, the idea of you know, empowering somebody in my life and being empowered in somebody else's life is this idea that is nothing new. It's not just a Christian idea. It's a, it's a worldly concept in many ways in many circles. The idea of, hey, you need a mentor in your life. Hey, you need to be a mentor. Here's the radical difference. Here's where 
the concept from the scripture here and the world's concept radically depart. The world will always call you, but always, always invite you, always give you opportunity to serve someone else, to do something else from a very egocentric perspective. Let me help explain that. You know, people will say, well, why should I serve somebody else? Why should I do something for somebody else? Why should I do something to build that area up or to build that group up or to build that person up or whatever it may be? Because it'll make you happier. Why should I do that? Because it'll make your world and your community better. Why should I do that? Because it's going to increase your opportunities. You see, when the world invites you to do it, it's always egocentric. The pronoun you will always be in it. It always circles back to the individual and how it's going to make their life better. Now, there is a reality that as we serve as Christ presents it here from a perspective of faith, because things can be built up around Christ and people's lives can be changed by Christ, we're certainly going to experience the joy that comes along with that. We're certainly going to experience the opportunities that come along with that. We're certainly going to see our community around us changed because of that. But our primary goal isn't me. It isn't driven by the consumer mentality that shapes so much of what we seem to do within our Christian culture anymore, which is unfortunate. It doesn't really serve what we see here. Rather than it being a consumer mentality, this is a community mentality of each other sharing their gifts as Jesus gives people to people ultimately. We need to recognize that. We need to understand that because the purpose that we see here is the act of faith. It's serving for the purpose of building up in faith. It's serving for the purpose of helping the body grow in their faith. And what is faith other than a belief in God that is so convincing, so convicting, and so true that I do something? Not just simply that I say something, but I do something. That I move towards some sort of action in my life. That first action may just be a step to be united with Christ in baptism, as one individual went to one of our prayer and decision partners this morning and decided to do. And it might be, you know, I need to do something to make my spiritual formation more holistic. And part of it is uh, being served by the body and serving the body so they can be greater better at accomplishing the vision that it has for the community in which it lives in. And so we see that pointed out here that it's really an act of faith. And here's the thing that I think is amazing and powerful. Here's where I want to make this point and then we're going to wrap up. The word amaze or the word is the word marvel or you could say blown away. It's used quite often in the New Testament. But it, and it's used to reference how people viewed what Jesus did or what Jesus said. They were amazed. They were marveled. They were blown away by what he did or what he said. As far as I can see, it's only used twice in reference to how Jesus responded to a situation in his life. And both times it's in context to how he responded to faith. One negative and one positive. In Mark 6, 6, it says that Jesus was amazed at their lack of faith. He's visiting his hometown. He's blown away by how faithless they are. And he marvels at it. He's amazed by it. He's blown away. He's stupefied. He's like, what's going on here? 
And the other one is positive in Luke 7, where when Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. He's talking about a soldier from Rome who expresses such profound faith. And what does Jesus do? He marvels. He's like, wow, this is amazing. Because of his movement, because of what he believes. One author put it really well. I like this. He said, it seems then there are two things that make Jesus step back and say, wow. Those who believe when it's not expected they would, and those who disbelieve when there's every reason they should. But it's all around the context of faith. You know what's interesting? Jesus never sat around when the Pharisees who knew the law inside and out and could quote it from beginning to end, who said that they believe in the one true God. He never sat around and said, wow, you're smart. He never did that. He never said, wow, look at how much you believe. But when somebody didn't move, he said, wow, you have no faith. I'm amazed. And when somebody he didn't expect would move, moved to do something, he said, wow, look at this faith. I want everybody to see this faith. Luke, write this down. Thousands of years later, I want people to know what amazed me. It was faith that moved towards action. This is what makes Jesus marvel. I read a story, interesting story. A minister who led at a church for many years shared this story. Uh, It was of a gentleman named Bob who was a 70-year-old man who served in their children's ministry in the preschool area. All the kids had left except for one little girl, and he's waiting on her parents to show up. She asked, can you read Winnie the Pooh to me? And he said, certainly. So they sit down and they start to read Winnie the Pooh. Now they get to the end, and it's been a little while because he read it with excitement and fun. And, And her parents still aren't there. So he's sitting there, and she said, can we read it again? So they read it again. Well, they get to the end again. Her parents still aren't there. And so she says, can you read it again a third time? Now he's a little bit concerned, like, where are her parents? Plus, he just sensed something interesting here, like there was some sort of need that needed to be filled. And so he started reading it a third time. On the last round of Winnie the Pooh, the mother of this child stuck her head in the door. And and she said, "I, I you know, she, she didn't say anything yet. She just stood there, and, and she finished, and she waited till he was finished. And um, when, when he got done, she said, I'm sorry, but I've actually listened to you read it all three times. I was just outside the door when you started, uh, and I was just kind of listening in. And she said, I, I realize that this is the first time a man has read to my daughter since her, her father, my husband, has passed away. You know, really, really moving moment in the life, obviously, of this gentleman who was serving in this area, and for that mom, and for that child. We never know exactly what somebody needs to be built up. Could just be simply a warm smile or a warm greeting when they come through a door on a Sunday morning. It could be that there's some powerful statement presented in a really powerful way through a song and the way the music and and everything just moves in that moment. 
It could be through an encouraging prayer, whether it's one that's just prayed from the stage that we hear or one that we go and ask for at one of the prayer and decision partners. I mean, it could be as simple as walking into a really nice, clean bathroom and saying, man, I really look forward to being here on a Sunday morning. There are so many different things we never know. It could just simply be another round of Winnie the Pooh that really builds someone up, which builds up the faith family of Christ, which encourages and inspires for them to go out and share Christ with their world in such a way that they're planting seeds in the lives of other people. They're growing through that. Because I often wonder, as I read that story about Bob and what he experienced, who grew more? Who experienced a radical shift and change in that moment? That little girl who got Winnie the Pooh read to her three times for the first time, being read to by a man because her father had passed away. I guarantee you this, I don't think Bob ever missed an opportunity to serve in preschool ever again. Because that's a powerful moment when you recognize just how important your presence is, regardless of where it is when it's serving the purpose that God has for us in that moment. What we do at Canoe Creek on Sunday mornings is not just, it's not just business as usual. It can't be. If it is, it's time for me to move to Costa Rica and check out and give somebody else the reins because that's not what I'm signed up for. It can't just be buffet either. You know, Golden Corral, swing through and grab something and move on our way. What we do at Canoe Creek, what we desire to do, what our hearts are pouring into is this is what the church is called to do, to come together, serve together as a a family of faith and a community to where we're building within each other's lives. We have a variety of ministries and such that serve what we do on a Sunday morning so that we can do it the best that we can, so we can speak truth into the lives of everyone here and inspire towards faith. And we have different ministries that encourage us where we can connect with people one-on-one, face-to-face in a variety of ways so that we can grow. But what it is that we do on Sunday mornings at Canoe Creek, which is one of our biggest opportunities to connect together as a whole body, it, it just cannot be business as usual. It has to have significant meaning. It has to have significant purpose. And the only way it can work is if everybody does their job. Everybody recognizes how important that job is, essentially, as well. It's the only way that we can go out with any kind of passion, purpose, and a plan to live a life worthy of the life that we've been given and in such a way that we share Christ with our world. We're given gifts so that we can also be a gift to others. How are you doing that? Like I said, it may be your first Sunday, but I'll be honest with you. I think most people who are searching for a real relationship with God and maybe are trying to figure out what step to take, they, they love the challenge more so than some of us who've been Christians for a while. That's what they're looking for. They're looking for a place where community can be lived out, where everybody does their part, and where we're working towards a unified vision, a goal for something that we can't even afford ourselves but it's been given to us through Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. And because of our relationship with him, we are inspired to be people we never imagined we could be, doing things we never imagined we would do, helping people be built up in ways they never imagined they could be built up. And that's what Canoe Creek is all about. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for this opportunity to study your word, uh, to be challenged and encouraged and inspired, to uh, know your son better. 
to keep taking steps in the direction of comprehending what it means to be a part of the fullness of Christ and growing in the fullness of Christ so that our faith increases and moves us towards action. Action that just doesn't simply give lip service, but action that shows uh, movement, demonstration of love, demonstration of service, demonstration of pouring into the body. In this small, simple way, Lord, help us to find ways in which we can be empowered, uh, uh, empower the presence of people in our lives to help us to grow. And Father, through that growth, we pray that it would be encouraging, inspiring, uh, and that as well as what you've presented here gives us the opportunity to do the same for others, uh, to, to be empowered in somebody's life, to be that person that is so inviting in how we live and what we do and how we're growing that people say, I want what you got or I need what you got. And so people start to seek us out just as we seek out your son Christ for radical transformation in our lives. We thank you for your church. We thank you for the continued growth of what you're doing here within our community. And we ask that you'd help us to continue to be a part of it. We pray that you'd always welcome us, give us opportunity, give us vision for how we can partner with your church universally especially starting here with our kingdom or with your kingdom here in this, in this, uh, in this community and then farther out through missions and, and all across the globe, Lord. We, we just simply want to do what you're doing within your work and your will. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name.